Nice. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for coming to our session today. This is GPS Tech 306, Continuous Compliance for Healthcare and Life Sciences. Um, I'm Chris Wally. I'm the Compliance Lead for the AWS Partner Network, and I'm joined today by my esteemed colleague, Dr. Aaron Friedman, who's the Tech Lead for the AWS Partner Network. So we're, we're going to tag team it today. There's going to be a um, little bit of context I'll queue up, and then Aaron's going to go into his portion. We're going to have some code, so um, something for everybody. I see some familiar faces and some new faces. Um, so I'm really glad that we're all here. I think uh, there's huge opportunities in the compliance space. There's a lot of innovation happening, which usually, you know, those aren't two words that you hear uh, in the same sentence together, innovation and compliance. But it's one of, the, one of the great frontiers that's left for cloud, IoT, machine learning, the new technologies. Um, so I'm excited to present a little bit about that today. And one of the favorite parts about my job at AWS is getting to talk to not just healthcare and life sciences, but also to get to see patterns in other industries. And there's literally every industry you can imagine running in the cloud. Um, you've heard about some of them today in the other sessions you've been in, maybe in the keynote. Um, I love the healthcare and life sciences. That's my background, so I, I tend to stay in that lane. But drawing inspiration from these other industries, um, I think, is, is good practice for all of us. There's a lot happening outside of healthcare and life sciences that we can bring in uh, to improve our own practices. And within the industry, um, some patterns are emerging. Right? There's there's Fundamentally, there's a lot of different ways you can use cloud, uh, but there's some fundamentals that uh, seem to be true no matter where you go. Um, and it's either people building new cloud-native applications, they're migrating their existing applications, or they're buying cloud-ready applications from marketplace partners or uh, APN partners. And then if you need help, of course, you've got your professional services and your consultants to come uh, assist you. Um, but these patterns, I've, uh, you know, there's a lot of variation in the types of solutions that are out there, but these tend to be the, the root themes that I'm seeing. And then across the entire healthcare and life sciences spectrum from agritech, um, where there's genomic sequencing of new crops and disease-resistant crops coming out, um, to DNA sequencing and personalized medicine, pharmaceuticals, FDA-approved medical devices uh, like Arteris and uh, Calgary Scientific, mobile medical apps, of course. Um, and then also inpatient care and, and point-of-care systems. So really the entire spectrum of healthcare and life sciences, we're seeing solutions across that. And we're hearing not just that you can be equivalent in compliance, it's better, it's improving it. And part of that is through the tools themselves, but also the methods that go with it. Um, and I, you know, I love this quote from Rob Alexander at Cap One, highly regulated industry as well. Um, and they see benefits going to the cloud. Of course, leveraging the global compliance frameworks is a key. Um, AWS has an ever-increasing number of these, but our partners and customers are also increasingly using third-party attestations on their own to test their, their readiness, to prove to others, their auditors or their regulators, that they've gone through some uh, controlled process to implement their compliance programs. So um, it's, exciting to, it's exciting to see the convergence, the internationalization of compliance programs. Uh, it, it's a theme that we see over and over again. You get a company starting in one locality, whether it's Europe first or US first, and then seeking to expand to Asia, um, and beyond. So um, I think more and more over the coming year, we're going to see a lot more emphasis on international compliance frameworks. If you work with HIPAA at all, how many people here in the room work with HIPAA? 
Yeah, all right, this slide's for you. So we've been working hard on HIPAA. I don't know if you've seen the increase this year in the number of HIPAA-eligible services, um, but there's a huge number of people that are responsible for this. Um, and this looks like a simple slide, but hundreds and thousands of man-hours of work uh, went into to getting this for you, and we're starting to hear um, that you appreciate it, so keep it up and let us know if there are any others that you'd like to see that aren't in the program today. So no matter which part of healthcare and life sciences you're in, there tend to be some common controls that you need to comply with. How you implement them may depend on your industry or vertical a little bit, but generally the control uh, families break down uh, similarly. Um, and so today we're gonna, we're gonna zero in on one of these a little bit later and talk about how to turn some of the manual things that you do today maybe into some automated code. And that's really, you know, no matter how many control families there are or what your unique implementations are, um, for me, they really break down to two things. There's either technical controls, things the machines do, or there's procedural controls, which are things that pe people do, things for humans. So um, when you start thinking about controls in this way, you really start to see there are many controls that can be automated, and some of them may never be automated as long as people are involved. So in the back of your mind, especially for the software developers, um, always be aware that no matter how much you automate, there are things in the procedural world that you also need to take into account. We'll highlight some partners uh, later in the talk that have some solutions for those procedural controls as well. Uh, to take an old example, I think I've used this before, but just to highlight again, you know, the old days of rack and stack, pushing, sweating, the boxes in the, in the data center are over. Now it's a matter of scripting your environment, deploying through code, all the same tools you use for software development and deployment you can now use for infrastructure deployment. Um, and it has huge implications for compliance. The agility that you see in the business and tech teams Compliance needs that as well. Agile compliance might also be two words you don't expect to hear in the same sentence, uh, but it's happening more and more. Um, the reliability of the systems, not just from how they perform, but how you can prove how they're performing. And the better assurance, uh, the assurance of better information security, of course, is top of mind for everyone, especially involving pers personalized information. And then reducing your costs, right? The more you can automate these controls, uh, the, more that you, the, the lower costs they become, and the more you can assign your humans to the high-value tasks that they're required for. And bringing it all back together, it's really governing the cloud is really the combination of those technical and procedural controls and, and how they apply to the business strategy, whether you're buying, migrating, or building your solutions. Um, so with that, I'd like to pass it off to my colleague, Aaron. Thanks, Chris. Um, so, obviously, there's there's a policies and procedures component. Um, people and process are always going to be critical to when your organization is is aligning to regulatory frameworks. But you know, from a from a technical perspective, there's a lot of innovation happening that we're, we're finding, especially that our partners are using and really bar raising on. Um, on AWS to address these, these technical controls. And I think it, it, it comes back to this, this concept of, let's take software evolution, right? You, you, we started with these monolithic stacks, we began to break them up. Now you're starting to see you know, virtual machines rather than deploying on large servers, then you start to get to the microservices concept where you're using containers and functions. And what 
ended up happening is this evolution of, from, uh, say, a traditional SDLC where you have waterfall to a, a true agile DevOps model. And one of the, the really great things that I've seen a lot of partners do is apply those best practices to software to the same way that you would infrastructure, right? So, so using whether it's AWS services or third-party services like Jenkins, one of the things that you can really do now is validate your infrastructure as you would code. So what this might look like is, you know, first you're creating or, or adapting your existing continuous integration, continuous delivery pipeline for your actual infrastructure platform. So now your full application stack is there. You may define this whether it's in CloudFormation or Terraform, and you commit those changes. And those changes could then, perhaps you could you sort of lint or, or run unit tests on your CloudFormation templates, make sure that you don't have anything, say, in an IAM policy that you can catch just by you know, linting your template that to make, for example, making sure that an IAM policy doesn't, um, uh, doesn't go against uh, the principle of least privilege. You could then, if you pass those unit tests, you know, run integration tests, you could actually deploy your updated CloudFormation stacks into a new, or templates into a new um, or existing environment, validate again using services like AWS Config that you are not, um, that you are remaining compliant in your test environment. And then when you are good to go there, uh, you can, of course, uh, if you need to do manual approval as per your, um, per your guidelines, you can, of course, add a step for that before you deploy into production. And one of the things that we're seeing today is AWS partners that are, particularly those in our healthcare competency program, are making deployments into regulated environments multiple times a day, right? They see something, they patch it, and they immediately deploy. And they apply, right, this continuous integration, continuous delivery, Agile concept to their infrastructure. And I want to highlight, and we'll dive into a couple of these, some, some critical services that AWS offers that really enable compliance or, in general, security best practices, right? Because when you think about um, regulatory frameworks in general, ultimately the goal is, you know, how can we be secure? How can we log? How can we we do things that really are best practices when it comes, in a lot of cases, to security, reliability, um, and operational excellence. So take AWS Cloud Shell, right? You need to make sure, in a lot of cases, if you're logging, that you know, any API that goes against any uh, AWS service is logged and tracked, and should there be anything abnormal, that you could, in fact, act upon it. Uh, Amazon EC2 Systems Manager gives you that, that fine-grained control, so you could do remote patching uh, via the, the SSM agent. You can do things like interact with your, your instances remotely um, by sending um, SSM documents to your instance. AWS Config gives you this sort of point-in-time snapshotted view of, of how compliant you are in your infrastructure. I am, of course, I think everyone in here who is building on AWS is using some type of identity and access management for authorization and authentication. And then CloudWatch for a lot of application logs. And going back to the HIPAA-eligible services, Amazon CloudWatch is now a HIPAA-eligible service um, as of you know, a month or two ago, which gives you the ability to take advantage of sort of those native logging um, that, that uh, CloudWatch provides. And then, of course, you could wrap this up in CloudFormation or Terraform or, 
or whatever deployment mechanism that your organization uses. So as I mentioned with CloudTrail, the, the, the real key thing here is, you know, who is accessing or making an API call against um, any AWS service, and when are they doing it, and, and ideally you want to understand why. So sometimes what that, that requires is the ability, first off, to be able to capture that. So you could store, for example, CloudTrail logs in an Amazon S3 bucket. And then over time, um, you can, of course, query and interrogate those logs, whether it's with a service like Amazon Athena, um, using uh, sort of those uh, serializer deserializers to partition your CloudWatch logs so you can actually um, sort of interact with them, query them, and be able to, to really go from a reactive model to building sort of proactive scripts that, that actually go through and, and really um, it, uh, increase your security posture. AWS Config is one that um, we're going to show a little bit more in a, in a few minutes. Um, but here, the, the general idea is we offer managed rules, so rules that you know, react to, say, configuration changes in your environment that we've already pre-configured, things like checking if, you know, to go back to CloudTrail, if CloudTrail is natively enabled. You can, of course, with AWS Config, as, uh, write you know, custom config rules as well to, to really capture a lot within your environment, display it within a dashboard, so you get this really nice uh, view of, of um, compliance. And one of the things that we've been working on is actually um, trying to give you, know, you um, the ability to, to iterate a lot faster, to, to get up and going and sort of get this sort of view a lot quicker. So one of the things that we've done now is um, open source on our AWS uh, uh, GitHub page, um, the ability to sort of um, grab some custom config rules, adapt them to your specific business need that we, and, and a lot of this is related to specific regulatory or security uh, conversations that we've had with customers. So we've tried to, you know, take those uh, most common concepts, build these config rules, open source them so that, you know, you guys can incorporate them into your own environments and provide additional value to, um, to your customers. But you know, that's sort of the, the high level, but as Chris mentioned earlier, we're gonna dive a, a little bit deeper now into one specific um, uh, topic or one specific area of compliance that we see across any industry. And, and really, and so we'll motivate that and, I'll, uh, and then we'll show a demo. Nice, so one of the <clears throat> controls most near and dear to my heart is records management. I know it's an illness, but uh, document and records management was something I did for a long time in the biotech world, um, and a lot of manual process there. So we had teams of people, all they did all day long was you know, convert Word to PDF and put it in a, you know, in a controlled file directory somewhere, somewhere and give access to that file directory. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity for automation around there. Um, and with that control, it comes a combination of different types. So some are procedural controls. Of course, you need to tell your users what they need to do if there's still actions that they're taking. Uh, from the technical side, obviously, you need to automate as much of those policy generation, access control, uh, configuration management as you can. 
you'll still have the policies, of course. Um, this is an example that we pulled from one of our partners who happened to open source a lot of their HIPAA policies and procedures. Um, and they make this available as a repo that you can download in GitHub. So you can download all the markdown, uh, update it with your own company-specific information, um, approve it and use it within your own organization um, for the control of records. And of course, along with that comes all the version control capabilities of GitHub. Um, so again, that's one of those more innovative things that we're seeing now, the approved policies and procedures actually living in the same repository or the same tools as the code repositories live in. So, um, you know, when, when we start to think about, you know, management of records, um, there's a lot that we can talk about. But before we do, I, I, it, it's, it's really cool. If you look in the, the top, uh, top left of the, of the screen, you see Cloudtricity, who's one of our AWS healthcare uh, competency partners and policies. But right underneath it, you see forked from Catalyze IO policies. Catalyze IO is now Datica, who's another healthcare competency partner of ours. So I think this is, this is a really shining example of, of how AWS partners are, are really um, enabling each other to, to be successful. And it's, it's something that I, I, it's really exciting for, for us to see is you know, our partners directly or indirectly you know, working together to, to really um, accelerate the, the development of policies and procedures um, in the healthcare and life sciences industry. So management of records, one component of that would be, um, say, logging persistence, right? This certainly wouldn't be the, the, whole, um, the whole goal or the whole snapshot, if you will, for example, for this very large concept. But let's um, you know, think about how do we ensure that, that logs are, are written, are written to a specific location, are not deleted and are archived with the, um, the appropriate you know, policies. So what we can do is we can go back to these you know, config rules. So as I mentioned earlier, um, we have managed config rules. You can write custom config rules. You can adapt them from our config rules uh, repository on GitHub. So we will define six of these. So let's say CloudTrail enabled, right? We need to make sure that CloudTrail is, of course, logging and capturing all that API activity. We need to make sure that CloudTrail is writing to an Amazon S3 bucket, a bucket specifically that we specify. We need to make sure that our configuration recorder is enabled. This may sound a little bit weird, but with AWS Config, there's, there's a couple um, ways that you can capture information. One is with uh, periodic um, checks. So you can do things like check every hour to make sure a resource is in compliance or every three hours or six hours. But you can also capture very specific uh, changes to your environment, and that's what the config recorder checks. Uh, you need to make sure that your logs are archived appropriately. So in this example, we'll do something like check that our logs are moving to S3 and frequent access after 30 days and then archive to Glacier for 90 days. And for the purposes of this, what we'll get into is make sure that the logs actually do not expire at all. We need to make sure, of course, that no one can go in and delete them. So we've set up an S3 bucket policy on all of our log buckets to ensure that uh, delete object and delete bucket are, are disallowed for all users. And then lastly, of course, for any type of uh, bucket that we need to store um, or track data from or track access from what's written, what's deleted, what's read, et cetera, um, we need to make sure that the S3 logs are enabled for all buckets. So with that, I am going to brave the console and hope that the, the demo deities do not um, frown on me today. We're good to start. All right, so 
what we've done so far, just uh, to help set up the environment, is I've created a, um, an Amazon uh, or AWS CloudFormation template to deploy several S3 buckets. So we'll get into that template shortly. We'll walk through those while different stacks are creating or deleting. But the fundamental thing here is we have three buckets we have that we're creating. We're creating buckets with the correct configuration, two of them, one with an incorrect configuration. Um, we're doing things like uh, creating a bucket for CloudTrail or logs or S3 bucket logs as well. Um, and we've created that environment already, and you can sort of see it here in, in the S3 console. Um, but you know what, we'll, what we need to do, and you can imagine what you would do is sort of have the associated config rules deployed so that you can constantly check if you're in compliance, out of compliance, and get this really sort of real-time view. Um, so what we've done is on this side, we've gone through and I've created just sort of a, a little a set of functions. So um, we have some Lambda functions that I've already you know, put up into to AWS Lambda in our console. Um, these are aligning to, of course, those, those six rules that I've shown before. Uh, so that one managed config rule as well as the five custom ones and I'll dive into a couple of these shortly. We then have wrapped this up, and I've, you know, for the purposes of this demo, of course, have sort of gone through with some defaults already, but, you know, set up some parameters um, that sort of align to, to the buckets we've created. And the goal here is we're gonna deploy this config template. Hopefully, we'll see what's in compliance, out of compliance. We'll cross our fingers and um, hope this all works. So we're gonna go through to CloudFormation. We're gonna go through and create our stacks. So, in this case, um, config.yaml, this sets up our config template. Uh, for the purposes of this, I'm gonna call this GPS Tech 306 config. All these defaults are already in place just for ease so I don't have to copy and paste. We're gonna go through, and I do have to create an IAM resource or IAM policy to allow um, config to, to check and do what it needs to do. So we're gonna create that and this will take a minute or two to deploy. So let's go back now, and while this is going on, we'll, we'll look at a, at a couple things. So on our S3 side, um, what we've done, and hopefully everyone can see that, is we've uh, gone through and created several different things. So we have a, a log bucket that writes logs, and as you can see here, it, it's applying the policy of, in 30 days, every object that is written to that log bucket gets archived to Glacier, or to S3 and frequent access. After 90 days, it transitions into Glacier. We have a policy here that denies delete object for, for everything, as well as denies a delete bucket as well. Um, we have two buckets that have the correct configurations. You know, we've done things like add in um, logging, make sure that it's writing to a specific um, log bucket, the, the one that I just described as well as a configuration policy. And, and I left this in here, I wrote this demo about a month or two ago, and of course in that time, we released a new set of uh, encryption options for you that sort of uh, eliminate a lot of this or make this a lot easier. So for those that have gone deep into the, to the S3 console and really looked at bucket policies, this is the, the one that you'll see a lot that sort of um, enforces that any object that you upload to an Amazon S3 bucket has some type of encryption configured uh, in particular, um, in this case, server-side encryption with um, a uh, AWS key that, that you have, um, a customer master key within uh, KMS. 
So we do that, we have the same type of thing conf for config2, um, but as we'll see going forward, um, our incorrect configuration three, uh, something is, is gonna go awry. So if we go back, let's see where we're at. Hey, we completed. So now if we navigate to the config console, and of course this was, this was up there before um, we did this, if we refresh the page, we should, should see a dashboard and it'll tell us if we're in compliance or out of compliance. And what we see here is we had six rules. Uh, it looks like five are good and, and, and one is not. So let, let's investigate what's going on. So if we look into S3 logging, which is obviously the one that's out of compliance, we can see here that the, you know, that it, it's giving us that flag, right? And this would be logged to the config bucket that we create as part of our config template, um, which I'll walk through shortly. But it tells us that we have invalid logging for the following buckets, this GPS tech S3 bucket incorrect config. Makes sense, you know, I labeled it purposely because I was hoping that would happen. Um, and the other five seem to be in compliance. So let's go back to our template, figure out what's wrong. Well, as we can see here, um, we forgot to specify, right? So if you look at config template two, or config bucket two, we have this um, properties that we would expect to be um, represented for our logging configuration, which we didn't specify in our config bucket. So, you know, what we would do is we would go through, we would deploy our, basically um, add that in, you know, you could get this real-time view, of course, with all of this, if you're really doing this in production and adopting this sort of DevOps model, you would be going through and adding this into your CICD templates, building in things like automated remediation, um, et cetera. So we'll go through, we'll change that, we'll save it just to be safe. We'll go back to our, our, our template and we will go to our stack that we had already created. Well, now what we can do, and of course, you can do this via the APIs using the update stack. We'll go through and update our stack. We'll go through, we'll add in, uh, oops, wrong one. Add in s3.yaml, which is our CloudFormation template that we use to deploy S3. It's not gonna let us change our name, um, which is good. And if we navigate through, We'll see now, we'll, we'll preview changes and it'll tell us that it's just gonna change the, the um, incorrect config bucket, right? So now we're gonna go through modify and update. So it'll update, it'll take a minute or two to, to update the, the policies with logging and make sure. But let's go back and actually see some of the things that, that are going on. So from our config.yaml uh, CloudFormation template, if we go through, we see that we're creating a, a bucket for AWS config that has similar lifecycle configurations as before. Um, we're going through, we're creating a, a, a similar bucket policy to deny the delete object and delete bucket. And then we're doing things like defining an IAM template um, and then really going through and specifying each of our config rules. So we create our config recorder and then we create a um, config delivery channel that aligns um, to that, which basically makes sure that you can route to your, your S3 bucket. You can also, and I would highly recommend this um, in say in prod, is you can write to an SNS topic so that you can get these notifications and, and react appropriately. So then we can go through, we define our rules. Um, each rule, uh, if it's managed, just needs um, a simple AWS config config rule and you, talk about the owner, you mentioned the owner, or specify the owner is AWS, the source identifier, and you can find all those in our console. 
And then you go through and for each one that is a custom config rule, you have to define a Lambda trigger and then the corresponding config rule. Um, you also go through and do things like add in input parameters, et cetera, which you'll use in AWS config to, to really um, to map to the appropriate rules. So you can see here we have one for our cloud show bucket logs, making sure our config recorder is enabled, log buckets are archived, et cetera. And what happens with all these custom config rules is config will effectively send a notification that kicks off a Lambda function um, based on the context with, uh, contents within the Lambda function, you can act on it. You then send a message back to config saying if it's compliant or non-compliant. And we'll walk through a couple of these right now. So this one um, checks that you, your S3 buckets that you specify that need a log bucket, log bucket are in fact writing to your S3 log bucket. So um, what you'll, uh, with all these uh, custom rules, you have your, your standard Lambda handler you, those input parameters I just talked about will actually go through and, um, and are in this sort of rules parameters in the event JSON that you would get in. Um, from there, you can call something like evaluate compliance, which goes through and checks. So for your, uh, to make sure that all your buckets are writing to S3, you have your bucket name, you have the list of buckets that need to write, and then you just go through and check. The first thing, of course, is you need to make sure login's enabled, right? If login's not enabled, like it, wasn't in our, um, our CloudFormation template where we were getting that error, um, it will return or it'll basically append this to a non-compliant list. And if it is in fact enabled, we'll then go through and make sure that the, the bucket it's writing to is the one it's supposed to write to. So if the non-compliant list is greater than zero, basically return the, the set of buckets that are out of compliance so you can go through and fix or you can write interact in an uh, automated manner if you need to remediate. But if it is all compliant, you'll return all buckets are logging to you know, that bucket, it's compliant. And then lastly, um, the command that you use within AWS config is the uh, put evaluations call that basically says, hey, push this evaluation back to config. You can do the same thing with uh, you know, log bucket archivals. This is a little bit more complicated in the way that you go about it. You can go through and sort of check your rules, and it's a bit longer policy, so you have to do some, some fancy things like you know, sorting your rules and, and making sure that you can just then walk through um, everything really quickly and check. But we do things here like check that the, the status and the transitions that we specify or the non-current version transitions that we specify are all doing the same things. We make sure that the filters are the same that, that we put in. Um, in this case, we wanted all of everything to, um, to be archived so we don't have a filter specified. And then lastly, because we are in this theoretical context wanting to log all of our buckets for long term, we go through and make sure that we are not setting any type of uh, expiration on the, the objects in our log buckets. Again, if there are any issues, you return, in this case, non-compliant, invalid policy statement tells you what it should be. Um, based because you pass those in as input parameters because that was part of your policy, right? Your, your organization's uh, policies and procedures. And lastly, this is uh, one, and I wanted to show this one because it is, of course, adapted from one of our open source um, GitHub rules. Uh, this is a config, um, this checks if your configuration recorder is enabled. Um, this, because this one has to run actually as a periodic function rather than a configure function. Otherwise, you get sort of that, 
um, infinite looping. But what this does, again, is it makes sure that your configuration recorder is turned on and makes sure that you have the appropriate delivery channel and you'll be um, and it checks all that, checks if you have an SNS topic that you're writing to, and if so, that it is the right one, um, et cetera. So let's go back now to the consoles, see what's up. Well, it looks like we've now gone through, we made that change, the update's complete, and I'm crossing fingers that this demo actually worked. So if we go back to our dashboard, let's see, well, it's all in compliance now. And part of this is, so we, what we did is specify two things. One is we made sure that we had periodic checks that every single hour we were going through and checking in our Lambda function, it would basically issue an event that our Lambda functions would check every hour to make sure things were working. Um, but we also specified for when, for example, an AWS S3 bucket changes some type of configuration that it would go back and issue an automated recheck. So here, obviously, um, we've made that change. And if we go through, right, our rules, we can now see that we're um, in compliance with all of them. Of course, you can begin to build this out for every single portion of your um, policies and procedures stack. But if we go back into, uh, where was it, S3 logging, we can sort of see right now that we are, in fact, doing the right thing and our buckets are, are logging appropriately. So with that, I'm very thankful that that demo actually worked and the, the, the technical uh, deities were, were happy with me. So with that, I, I'd like to you know, begin to, to, to wind this down by discussing the, the wonderful work that our AWS partners are doing. We, you know, for those of you who are familiar, we have our, our competency program in both healthcare and life sciences. And we have both ISVs, independent software vendors, as well as systems integrators that are really raising the bar, doing great things like aligning to right, HIPAA, high trust, giving customers the ability to do so as well. And in the life sciences side, of course, GXP globally is, is something that a lot of our partners are addressing. So it's time for the partner lightning round. This is not an exhaustive list by any means of the great work our partners are doing, but what we wanted to do to close was really highlight some of the core concepts, the really innovative things that, that some of our partners are, are doing and how they're really enabling their customers to be compliant on AWS. So the first one is visualizing compliance, right? If, if, if you're an organization, I, I, I like writing code, but a lot of people, if they want to get a point in time view, or if you have a compliance team, Perhaps they may not be as technically inclined. There's often in your organization a broad range of, of technical skills. So being able to visualize where you are in real time, similar to the config console, is, is really, really valuable to, um, to organizations. And, and this is an example of ClearData's compliance dashboard. Um, ClearData is a AWS healthcare competency partner as well as a life sciences competency partner. And they will give you, for example, point-in-time uh, checks and real-time views of your environments as they pertain to HIPAA or high trust or GXP. Um, ClearData also now, from that, has transitioned is actually offering this as an ISV solution in the AWS marketplace, which I think is an excellent example uh, of how our, our our partners are, are really evolving to um, meet the needs of, of our industry. One of the other really interesting ones um, is Aptable's Gridiron, right? So if we take the technical controls, which we just discussed, and also think about uh, things like policies and procedures, 
you know, Aptable's Gridiron is designed to work with cloud organizations to really do this risk-based assessment of how your organization is prepared from a people and processes standpoint. And, you know, a lot of times at AWS, we focus very heavily on how do we align, how do we build those, you know, dashboards with config, how do we really check our compliance, but we need to make sure, of course, that risk-based assessments or anything like that, that a lot of security is, is outside of our AWS environment and making sure that we have the appropriate uh, processes in place to, to operate in a secure manner. As I mentioned earlier, the, the idea of Encrysted as well, the open sourcing policies and procedures is something that I think is really powerful and in, in, in organizations are, um, are adopting and our partners are adopting. So this gets back to how, you know, for example, Cloudicity used Datica's open, uh, open source policies and procedures on GitHub to really um, accelerate uh, their ability to, to get high trust in this case. So both Datica and Cloudicity um, have, have achieved that, that high trust certification on AWS. Compliance and continuous compliance is a, is a philosophy, right? And these are a couple examples. So LogicWorks and, and RainCloud and, and, and really thinking about how to apply that DevOps model to, to continuous compliance and give others the ability to read, digest, and understand what it means to be continuously compliant. So things like white papers or, or translation, translating those architectural diagrams and converting them almost automatically into you know, the, those documents that you could uh, present to an auditor. One of the other things, and I mentioned this of course, is, is that aspect of automated remediation, those guardrails to make sure that your organization doesn't have things like shadow IT. So Turbot is an excellent example of this, right? So, so Turbot has gone through and built a platform on AWS that basically automates compliance guardrails. Enterprise organizations can come in they can go through, work with Turbot to effectively um, set the appropriate policies and procedures via Turbot's console. Turbot will then apply that to AWS environments and then do things like sort of add that ad additional guardrails as additional security to prevent you know, shadow IT in both large and small organizations. And in summary, if there are things to take away, I mean, I think the, obviously, <laughs> the, the critical thing here is, is, of course, how you can reinforce your security posture on AWS. Um, our partners are true force multipliers when it comes to this. They do things like extend our shared responsibility model for security. They help customers, in large cases, operate in a very um, secure manner, in a compliant manner. And it's, you know, working, you know, having them build on top of us, you know, the hope is that it provides even greater value uh, to their customers, to your customers. And at AWS, of course, security is our number one concern. And we're working, you know, every day to, to make sure that we are providing you with tool sets that you need so that you can be successful. As I sort of just alluded to, right, our partners are really bar raising our compliance. Um, you know, the the 50 plus security accreditations and attestations that AWS has, you know, our partners are really leveraging that now and even getting, you know, using those attestations to achieve additional accreditations um, beyond the ones uh, specified. And lastly, I did, you know, because this, this will, uh, you know, be online and visible via SlideShare, et cetera, after, 
there are a couple links that should you, you know, need to get or want to get more information, um, I, I highly recommend um, checking out. So with that, I'd like to say thank you. Um, it's been a, a real pleasure today, and it's, it's, it's always a real pleasure to work with our, with our partners. So thank you. And we do have some time um, for some, some general questions, um, should you guys have them. So there are microphones up front. Yes. Talk. That's a great talk. Thank you for all of that information. Uh, have you tried any of this with Terraform instead of information? I have not personally. Um, so the, the way that I like to think about a lot of things is how do you, um, Chris, come, uh, how do you, uh, uh, how do you split between what's versus how's, right? If, if, if you do that and sort of, right, you have your policies and then everything else becomes interchangeable, so theoretically it, it should work, right? So if you're doing the similar type models with, with Terraform, um, right, it is a way to deploy your application environment, your infrastructure, et cetera. Um, if you define and update in a similar way, operate within a continuous, inter continuous integration, continuous delivery environment, um, it should work. You know, same thing, right, whether you're using Chef, Puppet, Ansible, et cetera, say, to define other portions of your application. Um, uh, again, it, 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 it's a tool, so if you interchange those tools, as long as they have similar feature parity, it should be fine. I have another question, if I can. Um, so you use config to do all of the compliance, to encode all of the compliance. Do you put some of that on Artifact? So do you want to talk about AWS Artifact really quickly? Oh, an Artifact, yeah. <clears throat> so um, not yet. Um, we have some features coming out in the future, but right now the, uh, the reports that are in Artifact are all generated from AWS auditors. So they do review the code internal to AWS, but those uh, reports don't include that. Anything else? Well, thank you guys. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your reInvent.